Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash necessary blackness. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can access it from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace and Black Power family, this is your host Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast, and today's episode, we're going to talk about how slavery shaped America's oldest and most elite colleges, and this subject matter coincides with our award-winning documentary series, Elementary Genocide, where we look at the relationship between mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. And we're going to show the relationship between chattel slavery and America's Ivory League school. So the question to be asked is, what are the historical ties between chattel slavery and America's Ivory League schools? And what form of reparation or atonement should be given to the descendants of slaves? Stay tuned and we'll be right back after we take this quick commercial break. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Crest Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment. Elementary Genocide 3, The Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. 
Stay tuned. This is a co-op cultivated roots media, and I choose to tune into necessary blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. Okay, we are back from our quick commercial break, and I want to let everyone know that I will be in the Los Angeles area this weekend. Actually, I'll be at the Justice on Trial Film Festival, and I will be screening Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust, followed by a lecture. So make sure you stay tuned to my Instagram and my Twitter page to follow me and to see where I'll be making several appearances at while I'm in the Los Angeles area. And I know many people follow me on Facebook, but unfortunately, Facebook has me suspended for 30 days. It's obvious. I don't have to give you a reason why I'm suspended. Y'all know that I speak truth to power and I get up under a lot of people's skin, especially those that troll or anti-black, and, you know, to put it in um, correct terms, racist and white supremacist. And speaking of racist and white supremacist, we're going to talk about America's elite colleges and how they was complicit in the slave trade and how they profit and benefit from it. Now, many people don't know that there were several universities that had their hand in the slave trade and benefited financially from slavery, chattel slavery. And those universities are Georgetown, Rutgers, Columbia, Harvard, and Brown. And that's just a few of the universities with reported connections to slavery. And many of them, if you uh, research, um, is detailed that these university leaders had owned slaves and slave auctions was held on campus. There's a very good book. It's called Ebony and Ivory, Race, Slavery, and the Troubled History of America's University. Make sure you go and read that book. There's a lot of knowledge in that book that goes deep into what it was like during that time. And... It talks about how these presidents of these universities was complicit. And I'll give you a few examples that I know offhand. Let's look at Princeton University. The first 10 presidents owned slaves, right? We also know that Woodrow Wilson, who was the president of Princeton University, was a big supporter of racial segregation. And when he was the president of that university, he disallowed blacks from enrolling in the college. He went on to become the president of the United States. Sounds familiar? And when he was the president of the United States, he screened birth of a nation. Now, for those that don't know the history of that film, that film was shown in the White House, and that film is what ignited the Ku Klux Klan. So we have a president who had ties to racism and white supremacy, and that was a big supporter of the Ku Klux Klan. And this was in, I think it was 1910. 
Here it is, the year 2018. We have a president in the White House that didn't denounce David Duke and that when the racial turmoil happened in Charlottesville, he said that there was good people on both sides. So there you have it. What happens in the past repeats itself in the future. You know, they said that history recycles itself at least twice. So we see in the recycling of history, we see in the recycling of the mindset of racist and white supremacists being lived out in real time and real color in 2018. So let's continue to talk about Princeton University. There was a former president, um, I forget his name, but when he died, he left a will. And in this will, he wanted them to auction off his possession. And his will consisted of furniture, cattle, books, and it's written, and I quote, two Negro women, a Negro man, and three Negro children. The Negro woman understands all kinds of housework, and the Negro man is well fitted for the business of farming in all its branches. This was the president of Princeton University. And when he died, he sold off his possession as an auction to benefit the college. So it wouldn't take a scientist to understand that if you have a president of a university that is racist, then the curriculum and the teachings in that university is going to be centered around racism and white superiority. Let's go to Rutgers University. The first president, his name was Jacob Hardenberg, and he owned the abolitionist Sojourner Truth. Remember that. That's very important. Now, during that time, slavery was part of the curriculum. In many universities, this was their way of reinforcing their racist notions of whites being superior and blacks being inferior. The same way is done today in classrooms all across America. The curriculum does not reflect the worldview of the students. This is why many people are disinterested in attending colleges. Not only that, it doesn't prepare you to go out in the world, to be self-productive, and to be an entrepreneur. It teaches you how to become a part of the social order and to be a part of the workforce, not to be a boss. And it's 2018, and we got the boss up, people. So when I was doing research from this, I began to discover that in addition to teaching that blacks was inferior through what they like to term scientific evidence, which was no more than scientific racism, and they used spiritual justification by using the Bible to get individuals to believe that free labor from blacks was something that was ordained. And all of this is being taught in America's school of higher learning. So that's why I'd like to tell people that I graduated from America's most dangerous institution of higher learning, and that was the prison system. 
because the prison system and slavery, there's a correlation as it was back then, as it is now. But the education that you're going to receive is so remotely different because you're allowed to think and analyze in a different manner as opposed to memorization and trying to quantify things with numbers and statistics that has nothing to do with your everyday life, your living and your struggle, and it doesn't teach you how to be a productive individual in society. It teaches you how to be docile, obedient, and like I said before, be a part of that social order, that social order that makes the 1% rich and the 99% slaves of a mental death and power that is complicit in allowing those that sit in high positions of power to be able to be rich. And they do this through miseducation. And we see it from time and time again. If we go back to the 1860s, there was a math test, a test that was being done at um, Columbia University. And in this math problem, they asked students to calculate the profit of three investors in a slave trade voyage to Guinea. What would their profit be? What would their loss be? And how many Africans was part of the cargo? And what was the ratio of those that would make it through the Peculiar Institute of Slavery safely? So it was all about profits and loss, which it is with anything are concerning America and its capitalistic instincts where money is always the bottom line. Necessary Blackness Podcast don't accept sponsorship from third-party corporations or influencers. We are supported by the people. If you are an avid listener of the podcast, consider donating to our cause. Go to elementarygenocide.com and click on the donation link. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. This is Shalee. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of The Wonderful from Afros and Shell Toes and Sweet Tea Ethics. When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie, Raheem Shabazz, on the Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's essential. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is the lowrider guru, Thomas T.J. Lofton from Compton, California. When I'm traveling around the world or I'm in the car, I got Necessary Blackness Podcast on checking out my man, Ryan Shabazz. Yo, what up? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Businessfully, Dave Anderson of the Business Fully Podcast. You know me when you see me. You've heard me in these streets. If you haven't, that's just me breathing down your neck. You are listening to the Necessary Blackness Podcast with my brother, my homeboy, my main 
Number one cousin from another oven, my man Raheem Shabazz, man. Get in, get your mind right because it's necessary. This is Siraj, founder of the Man in the Mirror Project, hanging out with Raheem Shabazz all the way from the UK, representing that Necessary Blackness podcast. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie Raheem Shabazz on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. Peace. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Arthur M. Henry here. Whenever I want to get the latest on politics, social life issues facing our black community, I tune in to Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from our quick commercial break where before we went to break, we were talking about the relationship between chattel slavery and America's most prestigious and elite universities and their role in profiting off of slaves. But in this segment, we're going to talk about what form of reparation or atonement should be given to the descendants of slave, if any? And we're not talking about symbolic gestures. Because that seems to be the notion that is always happening when it comes to black folks. It happens time and time again. It happened with the students of Kentucky University, their government body, where they wanted the school to pay for reparation to black students in the form of free tuition. And they wanted the school to issue an apology for their role in slavery. Now, the student body put forth a motion, and this motion was approved by the votes, but the votes was not binding in any way. So this is just symbolic gesture. And the university acknowledged the resolution and the student body admitted that the whole purpose for this resolution was to get the university and the student body to start a conversation about reparations owed to blacks in the form of free education. So they had a preconceived notion that we're going in this knowing that we're not going to get reparations, but this is going to start a conversation about reparation. If you want to start a conversation about reparations, you could just pick up a book. It's only when you take action that you're going to get reparation. Freedom will never be gained by a conversation. Freedom is not something that's given, it's something that's taken. And we know that from what Brother Malcolm X was teaching us. He always said that freedom could never be given. It has to be taken. And the university 
released a statement, and this is their statement. We appreciate the Student Government Association interest in these issues, but it's important to clarify that their resolution is not an official position taken by the university. I have read the SGA resolution, and I understand that their intent was to spark a conversation, but the university will not adopt any such policy. You hear that? They wasn't beating around the bush. They said it plain and simple. The university will not adopt any such policy. They didn't even say they'll have a conversation about it, point blank, into the end. So a lot of times you see they issue boilerplate uh, statements where they acknowledge your grief. And oftentimes they tell you how to deal with your grief and oppression, but they never bring the solution to the problem. And that's what happens time and time again. There was another university, and this was Georgetown University. And they took a different approach and decided to offer slave descendants free admission and free tuition as a form of reparation for what the college did. Uh, in terms of having slaves and benefiting from slavery. Because in 1838, Georgetown University sold 272 slaves to help the struggling college pay off his debt. What we're going to do right now, we're going to go to an audio clip and it's going to talk to some of the descendants of slaves that are benefiting from this symbolic gesture of reparation, and also um, some of the board members at Georgetown University and a few other people, and we'll come back after that and we'll discuss that, and we'll talk about this symbolic gesture and what it means to us and what we can really do in order to get reparation. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and those that are just joining us, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. History matters. And knowing history and knowing it well helps us understand some of the workings of the present and the dysfunctional workings of the present. That engagement with history in general in the United States is not something that we do well when it comes to the sad, deplorable, unhappy, negative uh, episodes in our American history. We don't do that well. The challenge is then how do you make an engagement with negative history something that has positive or fruitful results. It really excited me to be part of this group. I thought that uh, there were lots to learn. Being an old university like Georgetown, founded in 1789, uh, we know that slavery wasn't abolished in America until 1865. So looking at that history was something that I thought I could bring a good voice to. It was important to me to be involved in this group because of the enormity of the work. Enormity meaning the actual amount of work, and the enormity meaning, meaning the resonance, not only for, for the Georgetown community, but also for what it means for America. 
as a professor in the Department of Government um, and as a Jesuit here, I had a real interest in this topic. It's part of our Jesuit history. I'm a historian. Historians uh, seek the truth. They seek the truth uh, many times unpleasant. I really thought it was an amazing opportunity to connect this sometimes distant history to our own lives, to our, our own university, our own community, the place where we live and work. And, you know, I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Georgetown would not be here if it wasn't for the enslaved people who built up the school, um, were part of the cell and made it what it is today. Even though it may be an uncomfortable history, it's important that we engage with it because even if we don't want to admit it, we're all impacted by it somehow. I think often our history is something that uh, we like to draw forth only the parts that are easiest to remember. And those uh, can inspire us sometimes, but really rarely do they really challenge us. By engaging students and alumni and faculty and, and, and challenging them, coaxing them, prodding them to look at, say, a problem like this and to say, you know what, this isn't that history over there. This is our history. For the same reasons that we can be proud and we let the positive episodes in our history inform our identity as Hoyas, well, how about looking at the unhappy chapters? We were kind of the demolition crew, you know? Let's tear down these walls of silence. Let's demolish them. Let's put all the pieces on the ground and look at them. Let's invite the community to walk around in them, and then we'll d decide what we need to do to rebuild. As a member of the working group, oftentimes our conversations were very difficult. And I was always inspired by the manner in which everyone seemed to engage these issues with a vulnerability, with an emotion, and with a devotion to the ideals espoused by Georgetown. I think one of the greatest qualities of the group that we assembled was that I, I, I feel confident in saying that I'm not sure there's really any point where anyone in that room was afraid to speak their mind. And people really listened to each other. Listening means that you pay attention to what people say. You don't, come, you don't try to come up with an answer to a question that you anticipate. You listen, and people did that. The fact that Georgetown University and other universities like it were engaged in slavery is not new information. But what we have the opportunity to do is use that information to drive our mission in different directions. And so this iteration of knowing about the past has been particularly poignant because we've seen it as an opportunity to build bridges on campus as well as to connect with descendants. If we're going to grapple with our history regarding slavery as a Jesuit school, then we must do so from a Jesuit moral perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad, deplorable history. That's what they described it as. But no real solution except having a conversation. And like I said, once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call symbolic gesture that don't stop the structural inequality that exists in white Ivy League schools and in public schools and in high schools and in America's higher learning institution. What they should have did 
was instead of offering reparation to descendants of slaves, and it was, I think it was over 200 and something slaves. So let's just say a thousand descendants benefit from that. What does that do to us as a people as a whole? That's not reparation if a thousand people get some form of relief. It should be something that is ongoing. How about put together a community trust fund that allots money to all the historical black colleges that are teaching and that are raising up the next doctors, lawyers, and engineers, and scientists. When you have structural inequality that still exists, for instance, in Kern High School District in California, they just recently settled a lawsuit because they were suspending and expelling black students at a rate of 600% higher for black students than white students. How about offer them a free ride to any college? Or better yet, how about they pay for them to go to a historical black college? Those are the type of reforms and goodwill gestures and not symbolic gestures that we should be willing to accept, that we should be willing to receive. Because we do got to have a seat at the table. Because if we don't have a seat at the table, then we will become the table. This is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Unfortunately, this is going to be a short podcast this week because I have to get ready. I will be in California, L.A. I'm on my way. Make sure you stay tuned to my Instagram. Make sure you stay tuned to my Twitter page. It's Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace.